how who you use as a short sale negotiator and and how how it all work out for you. Sure. Because because a lot of misunderstanding out there that reverse mortgage or oh, what do I do? Well, you know I do probate reverse mortgage all the time, and we treat it the same way as a regular mortgage, right, Bill? Well, so there's no payments. No, other than the fact, there's no payments necessary, which makes it, in some regards, even easier, right? Because a regular mortgage, you get into foreclosure, but you're falling behind payments. Reverse mortgage, there's no payments due, so in some regards, it, it's even easier to work with. It's it's not harder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are um, we're gonna cover a lot of great things today. Um, you know, we have, we have Bill with us, we have Kevin Finley, who's a super top producer. So we're gonna have a lot of fun today. Let's see, for those of you who are on already, if you have any question, guys, type in a chat box. Type in a chat box. For those of you who are on Facebook Live, type in a chat box. And we will we will answer your question. Any question you have, we will answer. We have Bill Gross on the line. We have so far Kevin Finley on the line, who does a ton of business. He's a super high producer. He just did a uh, short sale, reverse mortgage probate. So we'll we'll hear from him. Yeah. Any? Let's see here. Donna Joe, Donna Joe. So, so Donna Joe, if you, so I can hear you, Donna, if I were to unmute you, you know, so Donna, for example, hey, Donna, say hi. Donna just stepped away for one second. This is her assistant. Hi, assistant. Hi. <laughs> you got a great question already, just FYI. In the chat box. Great question. Carmen. Carmen says, when I call, good morning, when I call the PR, they say, my damn attorney got it. He will get my resident agent. I don't know anything. <laughs> damn attorney. Unless you trace Paul Horn. <laughs> <laughs> Carmen, we're gonna have Bill talk a little about it for you. Okay, we're gonna have Bill sort of um, sort of address that. So, so let me let me just take a general poll. Um, I know we haven't started yet. Um, is it how many of you here online here that you want that's been here on the first time with me on this webinar? Can you see the chat also, uh, Bill? Yes. Good, good. Like for example, Deepak asked, what is the best phrase PR like to listen? Yeah, I'm making note of the questions. Good, good. So Candace, Linda. So Candace and Linda, um, so I am a probate attorney. So I will go over, I'll set so that I teach you a, li a little bit about probate. That's all I do is probate. And then it's a treat. Today, we're going to get into some marketing aspect of probate as well. OK, 
Okay. Um, Linda. So Candace and Linda. All right. So good morning, Yolanda. Ruben, Ruben, go to Paul Horn Law Group on Facebook. It's on Facebook Live, Ruben. Go to go to Paul Horn Law Group. It's on, on Facebook Live. All right, so it's 10 o'clock. Let us start. Let us start. It's 10 o'clock. So any question, guys, just type in the chat box. My name is Paul Horn. I'm a probate attorney. All I do is probate, okay? Um, so let's see here. Um, so let me just sort of spend a little bit of time just talking about probate for a second. And then we're going to jump into the marketing aspect of it. Okay. Um, if you are a real estate investor online right now watching us, if you are a realtor online watching us, in your career, it's only, a, it's only a matter of time where you're gonna run into a deceased homeowner. Do people still die, guys? Probably, probably, right? People still die. You're gonna get it. A homeowner's gonna pass away. How do you take the listing? How do you buy the house, okay? So this is what this next two hours is all about, okay? So what I would say is, Lacey, that's right, people still die. Mm -hmm. So. The first thing you're going to do when someone passes away, you know, when the, when the son or daughter comes to you and says, hey, my mom passed away, you as a real estate professional, how do you help? Well, you, you're going to want to know if the house needs a probate or not. If the house is in a trust, no probate needed. If a house is in a trust, no probate needed. Okay. If a house is in a trust, and you can tell that by getting your title guy or even your MLS, right? You're locking to MLS. It'll say whether it's in a trust or not, okay? If the house is in the trust, mom died, mom has four children, which of the four has the power to sign your listing agreement, guys? Mom died, it's in a trust, no probate is needed, mom has four children, which of the four children has the power to sign your listing agreement? Which of the four children has the power to sell this house to you? Okay, so it's the successor trustee, guys. Successor trustee, okay? Successor trustee. So when someone has a trust, guys, you want to hone down and find the successor trustee. The successor trustee has the power to sell this house to you, to give you the listing agreement, the successor trustee, okay? Um, just keep in mind, um, so where... So if the house is in a trust, you need to locate a successor trustee. So how will you know which of the four children is a successor trustee, guys? How will you know? What do you guys think? Mom died, she's got four children, a house in a trust, how do you know? So Carmen says by asking, yeah, you can ask. They all say they're a successor trustee, Carmen. They all say, I am. What are you gonna do, Carmen? <laughs> Mom loves me too. Mom put me in charge. Stacy, you're right. You need the trust, right? You, you get a copy of the trust. 
cop get a copy of the trust, you flip through it and find the word successor trustee. That's the individual who's going to sign your um, listening agreement. The person's going to sell. That's going to be able to sell you this house. All right. So successor trustee. All right. So so that's. So I just want to run by real fast the trust aspect of it. If it happens in a trust, you want the successor trustee. How do you know who the successor trustee is? By getting a copy of the trust. Okay. All right. So next, you pull up the grand deed. The house is under the homeowner's name. What now? The house is under the homeowner's name. Then you're gonna need a probate. Okay. So whenever. As you're trying to buy this house, as you're trying to list this house in real estate, if the home, if the name, if the, you pull the grand deed, if it's under the homeowner's name, welcome to probate, period. A will will absolutely put you into probate, okay? All right, so once you, once you find out it's a probate, it goes through the probate process, okay? It, go, it goes through the probate process. Oh, let me show you real fast. Let me just show you real fast the probate timeline, guys. This is the probate timeline. Probate normally takes one year to do. Probate normally takes one year to do, okay? Probate takes one year to do, but you can buy this house. You can sell this house. Escrow can close, say within three months after probate is started. Now, how did I get three months? Well, if it, if it probate is with full authority, if, so the moment you file, about two months later, the son or daughter who is in charge is going to get something called letters and orders. Basically, it's the court appointing that son, appointing that daughter to be the personal representative. That happens about two months after the day that we file the case, okay? So if a probate is with full authority, you can close escrow within two to three months. Well, say it, say say three months, okay? Um, if a probate is with full authority, guys, all you need to close escrow is three things. Probate is full authority, you just need three pieces of paper to close the probate. You need something called order for probate, like you see on the screen, it's called order for probate. You need to have letters, like you see on the screen, called letters, and then a notice of proposed action. So guys, guys, you're in the probate, you're trying to buy a probate house, you're trying to list a probate house, here's how it works. Look at the screen, the day that I file the case, two months later, the lawyer goes to court, the lawyer gets the son or daughter approved, then letters and orders are issued, okay? And then at that time, you just give me the probate purchase agreement, and I will prepare something called a NOPA, a Notice of Proposed Action. So that, that's all you need, gangs. If a probate is full authority, you just need letters, orders, Notice of Proposed Action, bam. You close the probate within 90 days from the day that I start the probate. That's full authority. That's it. It's that simple. It's that simple, okay? Um, if it's limited authority, it's a little more involved. Now, if you are an investor, if you are an investor, you definitely don't want to buy a house that is, it's very difficult to buy a probate deal and make good money if it's limited authority, okay? If it's limited authority. 
So, so I think, I think at this time, let me just need, let me just say hi to Kevin Finley. Let me say hi to Kevin Finley. Kevin, he's a top, top producer. Um, he just finished a probate that is reverse mortgage and it's a short sale. So let me say hi to, let, let me say hi to Kevin. Let me just have him give you, him your experience on how his last transaction went when he bought a house that was reverse mortgage, um, short sale, and it's a probate. So three, you know, three things that I think would scare a lot of people away. Let me find Kevin. Where is he on here? Um, Kevin, are you still online? Let me let me find Kevin. Do I need to unmute Kevin? Is that the yeah. story? Oh, uh, here we go. Hey, hey, Kevin, are you there? Yes. Yeah. So, 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 Kevin, tell us, tell us about this deal. Um, just, just walk us through. What maybe you can share with us, because a lot of people are so they get afraid when it's a reverse mortgage and a short sale. So, so, and a probate. So tell us your experience with this one transaction, Kevin. Well, this transaction, um, it was a reverse mortgage, short sale and probate. So basically the, the sellers, um, they got a reverse mortgage. They live longer than the, the reverse mortgage. Hey, uh, can you can you speak louder, Kevin? Can you hear me now? Yes, I can hear much better. Okay, so this was a, a reverse mortgage short sale probate. Um, so with the reverse mortgage, they the sellers outlived the life expectancy of the of their reverse mortgage, so there was no equity left back in the house. Um, so it was a reverse mortgage, and since there was no equity. It was a short sale and there was no trust. So it was a reverse mortgage, short sale and probate. Um, so basically the way, the way that process worked was um, I had to start the, as the buyer, I had to put up uh, a, a retainer fee for, to start the, the probate process. Uh, which was twenty five hundred dollars, and and it was it was it's non refundable. So if I if I purchase the property or not, um, I, I'm I'm out that money if 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 it doesn't go through. Um, let me see. With reverse mortgages, whenever you do a reverse mortgage short sale, it's not like a regular short sale where the bank will take ninety percent of the of the appraised value. So the bank sends out an appraiser, um, and the you have to you they will only accept within ninety five percent of of the appraisal value. So it's a five percent um, difference there. So it's it's a, it's a little bit it's a little tighter deal. Um, so you you end up closing this transaction for how much, Kevin? What what was the short sale amount? It was three hundred and fifty seven thousand. Okay, so he so he closed this short sale at three fifty seven probate short sale, and after it's all said and done, what is your projected sale on this house? It's around six hundred thousand. Okay, right. So he he got this probate short sale for three fifty seven. 
when it's all said and done, it's gonna sell for what three? How much you say? I mean, six hundred and. Uh, I'd say six hundred thousand. Okay, so what? How much think you net this from this transaction? I will net um, after real estate fees and attorney fees and all that, um, somewhere around one hundred and forty to one hundred and fifty thousand. Okay, yeah. So, so this is a real life example, guy. That it's a it's a probate reverse mortgage short sale. He's gonna net about one hundred and fifty grand. Okay, so so if you guys ever get a probate short sale, probate reverse mortgage, don't shy away from it. Yeah, Kevin. Yes, I'll I, I'll 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 keep on doing them. That's for sure. Yeah, and you know, with this market being so tight, I think probate is a good niche to find deals. Bill, what's what's your thought on that, Bill? As far as is this a good market for finding probate? Is that your question? In terms of the market being so tight, the inventory being so, being so low, for investor who wants to find off market, you know, off buying properties not on MLS, what do you think in terms of using probate to do that? So I, I, don't, I wouldn't think of it that way as is it hard or not. I would, you know, we're in a competitive business. So the question is how much work do you have to do to get the results you want? So you might need to add a second county, or you might need to look deeper into deals to find them, look at more properties, price them out more, maybe find better ways to lower your costs to make your margins better. It is a challenging market in, in all of real estate. You know, it's, it's also been great. Uh, in, in probate and regular real estate, sales are up tremendously considering the COVID. So, and I think it's gonna only get better. Um, so I, I don't know, I would say it's harder I would say it is what it is. You have to do what you have to do to generate business. Right, right. So, so like, like with Kevin Finley, I mean, he's going to make 150 grand. There you go. My goodness. I mean, how many listings do you need to, to go through to make 150 grand out of just one transaction? Right. Some, someone asked you, Kevin, how long did it take you, Kevin, to, from beginning to, to end with this particular short sale probate transaction? Uh, I made the offer in, I believe, March. Um, so, so sometimes around the end of March and we just closed it uh, last week. So it was, it was around six months. Did we start the probate for you right around March, uh, Kevin, or was it way after? Uh, I think it was. It was yeah, March, okay. March or, March, or, March or April for sure. I can, I, I, I can look back, but uh, I know I, I had I, I wrote the offer. Um, I had wrote the offer with the with the agent in uh, March. You guys might have started out after that, though. Carmen asked a terrific question, Kevin. She asked Kevin, "What did the seller get out of it?" So, 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 what Carmen is asking is this: Carmen is saying, "Hey, I'm the son. Why the hell do I want to cooperate with this short sale, with this probate?" Because it's a short sale, I'm not getting anything out of it, you know. Um, Kevin, how how did you handle that 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 particular um, conversation with the son and daughter? It says, "What did I? What am I going to get out of it?" So basically, there was no there was no incentive for the um, for the for the for the, the for the daughter to uh, do the paperwork. So. We basically gave him five thousand um, dollars 
as a relocation money. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so Carmen, the way you do a short sale probate, Carmen, is this. You have to put your entrepreneurial hat on and say, okay, you know, I'm, you've done short sale before. You need to find an investor. You need to find an investor. And you basically, who, who did you use for the short sale negotiator, Kevin? How did you do it? I have a great short, short sale negotiator. And uh, when I was talking with the listing agent, uh, he actually told me, hey, I'm going to get my short sale negotiator on it. And I asked him who, who, who she was. And he said her, her name was Dorothy Cole. And I said, perfect. That's who, who I use on, on all my short sales as well. So she is an agent out in um, Lake Havasu. Uh, but she does a ton of, of short sale negotiating. And, and uh, she's definitely re reasonably priced. And she is an expert at it. So, 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 all right. So, so, so Kevin is, is a pretty smart guy. He, he wasn't even the listing agent on this deal. So how, how did you, how did you connect with this listing agent, Kevin? Uh, so I just, I, I just went through the MLS and the property was on the market for, I believe six months. And I, and I just reached out to the, the listing agent and I said, Hey, uh, I buy a ton of properties. Um, I want to buy, I want to buy this one. And I need you to represent me. And, um, we started, we started talking and, um, he, he, I sent him proof of funds. He knew I was the real deal and, and we got it going. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So any of you who have a short sale deal, contact Kevin Finley. Okay. He's, he's the real deal. He will put up the money. He will pay the probate attorney to handle the deal. Yes, Kevin. Absolutely. Maria, Maria asks, I don't understand why the seller walk away from a profit of 150. So, so Maria, it, it's not a regular sale, Maria. It's a short sale, Maria. Do you see that question right there, uh, Kevin? Uh, Maria Russo asked, I don't understand why the seller walked away from a profit of 150 grand. I don't see it. Oh, that's okay. No, but, but Maria, so we're just saying that you made 150 grand approximately when it's all said and done. She's just saying, oh, you know, why would the seller do that? It's, it's not the seller walking away, right, Kevin? It's, a, it's the nature of the short sale, right? Correct. The, the, the seller, the, they had no equity left. So at that point, we have to do a, a short sale since there is no equity. And we have to negotiate with the bank. Uh, we, have to we have to negotiate with the, with the bank regarding the, the price. Right. So, Maria, it's... It's, there wasn't any built-in equity. It's the short sale that generated the equity, right? Well, well, it's also the rehab he did when he sold the property, which the seller doesn't have the capital or time to deal with, typically. Yes. Right? I mean, if the seller had the money and the time, they maybe could fix up and sell it themselves. But the reason why it seems like Kevin took the 150, but really Kevin created the 150 by solving the problem for the seller. The seller's gonna get zero, instead he gave him 5,000. And then Kevin went to work and made this house worth more. And so new buyers got a beautiful house, neighbors have a nice neighbor, Kevin made a profit, but the seller didn't have the opportunity because they don't have the money. 
Yeah, and, and, and you know, when you talk about short sale, there is a component built in, an emotional component too, where the house might, be, might have been in a family for generations, Bill, and they just simply don't want to see the house go to foreclosure. Yes, right. yes, Bill? Right. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so let's see here. Um, let's, Bill, are you able to see any question from, well, here, before I, because Kevin's probably busy, before I let Kevin go. Um, so, so Donna, Donna, did, did, did Kevin give the seller the, the, yeah, so basically, yeah, basically it's re relocation assistant, right, Kevin, the $5,000 to the son or daughter? Yes, because they were, they were uh, staying in the property uh, and before they, before it got foreclosed on, um, we gave them $5,000 to relocate. So, so in this deal, Kevin, in this deal, you are the investor. You're going to make 150. The listing agent end up making the whole six percent from the short sale as well. Yes. Yes. So it's a win-win situation, guy. Whether you are an investor or the listing agent, do not throw away a short sale probate. This is a prime example. Yeah. Uh, Bill, how, how have you seen short sale done in the past, Bill, uh, Bill in a uh, probate? Well, there has to be, in a probate, there has to be some, there always has to be some incentive for the seller, right? They have to have some interest. So if it's a full authority and you can give them $5,000, uh, and like you say, avoid foreclosure, and, and, and the house not going through the indignity of foreclosure but being fixed up, my experience is, you know, executors, personal representatives are glad to do something like that. They much, and they're going to get $5,000. They're glad to get it. Um, I've seen short sales, even with limited authority, those are more challenging. You have to present a case, to, you know, what's the advantage to the estate? And in that case, it's both, you know, the problem there is you, you have a longer timeline. That's where you get a Paul Horn to expedite things because that long timeline, there's interest being collected over those months that eats into the $5,000. So you have to work maybe on ex parte or some sort of other way to um, expedite the deal. So it depends on the transaction, but there's a number of short sales done in, in probate court for sure. Kevin, what is your phone number, Kevin? Because I see someone, um, Mr. Green asked, he said he's got a short sale out in 29 Spring, California. What's your phone number, Kevin? Let me give your phone number out to him. If you, if you don't mind, Kevin, what's your phone number? He can reach out to you as an investor and he can make the 6% if he wants to on the short set. What's your phone number, Kevin? Yes, absolutely. My phone number is 626-343-7706. Okay, so I just, I just typed it into, I think, uh, let me see. Let me see if I went to everybody. Hold on. Let me. What's to all panelists. You went to go to. Um... All right. Yeah. To all panelists and attendee. Okay, so I just, some. Let me see here. So, okay, so there we go. Wait, did that go through? Did you all see Kevin's phone number? Yes. Okay, I think I misspelled Kevin. Sorry. So, yes, yeah, so it's Kevin. There you go. Okay, all right, great. Okay, all right. Um, yeah, so, so to sum up a short sale, to sum up a short sale, don't throw it away. In a short sale, you got to find an investor who 
Who's not afraid to play? Kevin says, Paul Horn, here's 2,500 bucks for the court filing fee. Go get me full authority. I will handle the short sale negotiation and buying it. Kevin, so that's basically how it shakes out, right? Exactly. Okay. Great. All right. Good. Good. Um, okay. So, 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 Bill, do you want to go ahead and sort of um, tell us, let's say, for example, for all our listener, if they wanted to find probate deals, go after probate, how would they do it? Okay. So, I mean, you, you want me to give them more of a formal presentation now, correct? Sure. Yeah. So let's say, you know, I, I, that's probably here, Kevin, what is, so someone's email you. Let me just finish with Kevin. Kevin, what is your email address, Kevin? Oh, there we go. So Kevin just typed it in. Oh, wait. So let me just copy Kevin's email address. Um, no, let me see here. I don't know why it's not going through, but maybe maybe V can help me. V, type in Kevin's email address for me, V, on the on, on the chat box for me. Okay, all right. So guys, the reason why I brought Bill here today because Bill has a presentation on probate, going after probate deals. Okay, I thank goodness, uh, just out of the blue, Kevin Finley showed up, and I just finished a deal with him. And, he's made, and he just made 150 grand from this one transaction. So I thought, okay, pretty cool. You can make money with probate, even in a short sale. And so now I'm gonna follow that up with Bill. He's gonna give us some ideas on marketing. If you have, and then I'm, I will still be here. If you have any question about the, the legality of the probate, I will jump in as the probate attorney. So let's have a conversation, Bill. Go ahead. Okay. So I'm gonna share a screen here that kind of um, outlines what we're gonna talk about a little bit, that's okay. So how to get your first highly profitable deal in probate. So my focus is either how you how to get your first deal with the idea that if you get one, you can get two. Or if you kind of stumble into one or two, how you can actually proactively get your first deal by, by focusing in on that. And um, so Rukia Kumai, I'm a real estate broker. I've been in Southern California uh, since 1986. I've been a lender as well as a real estate agent. I've been in sales, management, and ownership. And I had gone through a couple changes. I was focused on coaching, consulting, recruiting. About two years ago, I went back into production. And with the help of a coach of mine, really focused in on creating a niche and focusing in on a niche. And so really, a year and a, I did some research a year and a half ago in March of uh, 2019. I had done some probates. Like a lot of you, I'd done a deal or two in probate over my career, more than a deal or two. But I never really focused in on it as a lead generation focus. And so I started that in April of 2019. And uh, using some of the techniques I'm going to lay out with you today, I believe I've, I've closed more court confirmation sales in LA County than any other real estate agent other than the court vendor. And that was from really not doing any of those the prior couple of years. And so I'm going to share with you how I really ramped up my production is specifically in probate. So, and why am I doing this? I'm just here to share. I'm a broker. Uh, oftentimes agents will call me and we'll, we'll split a deal to help. I'm, I'm glad to do that. I'm not selling anything. I'm thankful to Paul. Paul is, I think, the most prolific or active attorney in LA County and probate. And so I appreciate his help throughout in the past. He coached the real estate company that I uh, used to manage. He's uh, seen in court and he always is very pleasant, says hi. So when Paul asked me to help, and it's funny because he, they called me 
and they asked me about their software and program. And I said, well, you don't need to pay me anything. And I'm a paying customer. So I've used probate money since I think it was launched. I think right away I got it. And I use it almost daily to do the things I'm going to tell you about and share with you here today. So, and what you expect from me is I'm going to give you some real practical tools and what you can really do today to generate business. We're going to jump right into the actual nuts and bolts of generating business. So question is real quick, who are you? If you put in the chat box, how many years of real estate, just so I know who I'm talking to, how, how experienced are you guys as agents? Are you brand new? Put zero or one or two. Put down how many years you've been in uh, real estate so I can get it, make sure I can tailor this to the right people. Uh, five years, 27, look, okay, so you guys are pretty experienced, good. 13, 12, uh, 38, um, goes pretty fast here, but wow, okay. Some brand new, but it looks to me the middle is gonna be six to 10 or 15 years or more. Then the next question is, how many probates have you closed in your career? Now, a lot of us have done trusts kind of by accident, right? Somebody asks us to list a property, we list it, we find out it's a trust, but how many probates, either full or limited authority, have you actually closed? Margo felt, hey, wow. Good for you. Uh, most zero, one. Carmen, five. Good for you. Most of zeros, twos. Okay. And then the next is, what's your average income on a transaction? What do you get per closing? Uh, if I said an average uh, real estate commission is about $15,000, uh, what's the number? $20,000, $14,000, $200,000. So when I think of a, of a, of a, a business um, venture, I think of 25% of the gross as like a referral fee. So I'm going to invest money in something. But when I start off and added something to my business, each deal I get, I only think of 25% as from that business. The rest is overhead and my time and such. Okay, 30. So keep that in mind. So here's the last question. If I can show you today about 11 techniques, and if just one of them worked for you and you get one more deal, one more, is that worth your time on the call today and years of probatemoney.com? If you got one more deal, would that be worth it to you today? Yes, 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 good, okay. So that's what we're gonna focus on. So here's what I'm gonna ask you. When I go through this list, I talk quickly. I'm gonna show you things I actually have done or, or, and or do today. And if there's one there that will help you, you think get one deal this year, next 12 months, or the next 90 days, put uh, bingo, at least I'll know that I did my job for you, okay? Is that a fair deal? Okay, so let's go ahead with the um, okay, next slide. Okay, I'm gonna close that out. And before we start, so I wanna share a couple of things to think about attitude-wise, because I think the, the thing with Kevin was great, but I wanna focus you guys on a couple of things. One's mindset, okay? And mindset means in probate, where are you coming from? Now, if you're just an investor, you're working with a realtor, that's different. And I work with investors in probate all the time. But if you're a realtor, you're working with the personal rep, with the executor, the administrator, with the attorney, your mindset has to be coming from being a service. If you're just looking for deals, this is a very, very tough business. But if you focus on helping people, what happens in my experience is, magically the trouble customer that takes more time than they're worth on the small deal, that takes longer than gets paid, generates two more deals. When you focus Bill. on being a service, that's the magic of sales. Bill. Yes. And, and, and that is a very important point because probate is stressful. Mom just died, dad just died. And I assure you, this is the first time mom have died, yes. right? This is the first time mom have died. Yes. This is the first time they've gone through probate. Yes. So always come to the table. How can you help? Yes. How can you help them in this trying time? And automatic, automatically, guys, 
if there's real estate on the table, they're gonna share their frustration with you. So come from a place of a helping heart. Yes, Bill? 100%, 100%. Most important thing to start with is your mindset. And if you come with an attitude, the rest will fall into place. And if you don't, it's very, very difficult, number one. Number two, understand return on investment. When we invest in a business as an entrepreneur, and all of you are either, I think, real estate salespeople or investors, you own a business, you invest two things, your time and your money. But we evaluate return on investment over time, meaning you buy a stock today for 100 bucks, and a year from now, it's, it's worth 200. You have a 100% annual rate of return, which is fantastic. But that's over a year. And so many real estate agents come on a call like this and go, I'm going to go to Paul Horn's webinar. I'm going to buy one month of his data. I'm going to download it, make three phone calls, and make $10,000. No, no, it doesn't work that way. It's a return investment over time. And I would say in general, in real estate, the average lead from start to completion is about two years. You've got to understand this is a long tail game. Yes, you'll get some right away. It happens if you work hard. But in general, a business in real estate investment of time or money takes about two years to get the full rate of return. So you have to be in this for a long game of probate. And it's not just a probate you're gonna get. When you do probate, you meet other investors and can do some quick flips. You do probate, you meet the neighbors, you get some other listings or sales. But understand it's a return investment over time. Number three is you have to generate business. And notice I highlighted the word generate. Just because you download the data doesn't mean you get the checks. It doesn't, Paul hasn't figured that out yet. I, I love Paul Horde, but he doesn't know how to do that any more than I do. If we did, I would do it. Um, you have to generate the business. All the time when I, when I tell people, get the data, make the phone calls, and Paul, you tell me if you get this also. I get the complaint, most of the phone numbers are bad numbers. Most don't answer. Most are wrong numbers. And I say, exactly. Because if I gave you a billion dollar diamond mine, if I gave you the most viable diamond mine in the world, you wouldn't complain to me about the dirt. You'd be too busy removing the dirt to get the diamonds. And that's what probate money is, is there is some dirt there and I'm not disparaging this product. It's as good as any. The format of the program is better than, than all of them I like. I like the most. But you gotta generate the business by sifting out the good numbers and the bad numbers. I'm gonna teach you some tricks and how to do that. And the number four is it's a contact sport. Real estate sales, real estate business requires contacts. That means you can't buy Paul, go to Paul Horn's webinar, download the data, make a phone call, and wait for the checks to come to your mailbox. You gotta call people, mail people, see people, see the property, call again, mail again, go see the property, see the person. It's a contact business, that's what we do. So understand that's the business we're in, talking to people and seeing property. Uh, and it is work, but it's very profitable when you do it proper. And I can tell you personally, extremely profitable. Okay, any questions so far? You know, I'm not looking at the chat box. Let me just, let me just jump in real fast. Any questions that pop out that I missed so far? Uh, why can't I see the chat box? I don't see any. Oh, there we go. Chris, how's this go? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, good. So it doesn't look at me. I'm covering all that. Okay, why probate? So why probate is for me a couple things. One is, well, how's COVID, affect, how's COVID affecting contact for you? Well, great question. It is a contact sport, but I've been doing it all online. I use Zoom every day. I, I, I right away mastered Zoom. 
And I find it's actually easier than ever to sell property. As a listing agent, easier than ever. You list the property, there's very few properties that people can see. If you list it right, it's gonna sell. So COVID, I've had my best six months of my career in the last six months. I've built more wealth in the last six months than my entire career. Okay, that answer that question. Next question, next. Why probate? So number one, you'll leverage your skills. For so many real estate agents, I've heard the complaint in my lifetime coaching them, well, I'm a good agent. How do I show that to my customer? I'm a good agent. I know how to do the sales part. I'm not good at the selling part. Probate will leverage your skills because when I see real estate agents who spend time on just the selling, but they don't learn, they don't take the seminar to, to learn the process. They can't go back and reflect on the process or procedures and know the forms, for example, then the deals fall apart. They don't service the customer. If you're a smart agent, a hardworking, this will leverage your skills and help you stand out from the competition as an intelligent agent. Second, it's a huge niche. It's an actually huge niche. What do I mean by that? There's a silver tsunami coming. The number of people who are dying, uh, number of homes owned by people six years over, just grows year over year. There's no cycle to it. So you might say to me, well, the elections may cause business to go down. Maybe. The election will cause business to go up. Maybe. The election will cause rates to go up. Possibly. The election will cause rates to go down. It might be. But this is going to happen no matter what. This is inevitable. More people are going to die, have property to sell, and if you're focused on it, you have more opportunities. Uh, Maria says you need an attorney contact to be successful. I'm going to show you 11 techniques and only a couple involve attorneys. So we'll talk about that, Maria. Let me, let me see what you think when we're done. Okay, so two there's really three types of opportunities I want you to think about. One is pre-probate, meaning one place you want to think about your probate business is before the owner of the property knows it's a probate. Somebody died, they don't know what to do with it, or somebody died 20 years ago, and the property's in grandma's name. You door knock it, you phone call them, you email them, you whatever, you get in touch with them, your past client, they don't know what to do. I call that a pre-probate. What do you do? Call Paul Horn's office, get him to do a probate for you, now you have control. You're bringing value to the relationship. So pre-probate is an opportunity for you to be in charge rather than waiting for the attorney to get in charge. Hey, hey, hey uh, Bill. On yes. that topic, on that topic, on, on pre-probate. So if you ever come in contact with an individual that has not started probate, feel free to call me and you, I and you, meaning you, the listing agent or the investor, will hop on the phone together, whether it be Zoom or phone call, and we'll walk that individual through the probate process. So if you ever, the pre-probate, they haven't filed probate yet, it's a free consultation with me. You and I, meaning you, the realtor, you, the investor, will hop on the phone and we'll work this deal for you. I'll, you'll be the real estate professional, I'll be the attorney, and we'll walk him through this probate process. As a team. The, and, and I tell you guys, I've made the mistake of referring other to people to other attorneys. And a couple things, the most attorneys, even good ones, aren't set to handle probate. They have a license, like we have a license to sell the Golden Gate Bridge, but I wouldn't try to sell it. Most attorneys are licensed to handle probate, but they're doing all day long criminal or they're doing contracts or something else. They don't know probate. Paul's a master of it. Number two, two Paul's a master of the sales cycle. He knows how to keep you in on that deal. You take that customer to another attorney, you run the risk of them somehow getting another realtor involved accidentally. I've had it happen. So definitely, Paul is not just an attorney and an expert. 
he is a professional in tying that together for you to service your client. So that's pre-probate. They don't know they need a probate or they start on their own and fumble the ball. They start on their own and they got declined for their letters or they got declined for this. They didn't do the publication right. They're trying to save money. I've had cases where I've paid some of the fees to move the process along. So talk to Paul and see if you can help. When you're, if you're gonna make $150,000, you can afford to advance Paul some of the money. Maybe you lend Paul, uh, lend the client some of the money. There's ways to do that. I have a, a business where we actually advance heirs money to pay for the attorney's fees. So don't let that get in the way. You want to use that opportunity to help the customer, number one. Bill, number two, Bill, yes. Bill on, on, on that point, Yes. especially when the family members are not fighting, they're, they are not fighting, okay? And let's say they don't have a penny to their name. The file is pretty clean. There are certain situations where I can go to court and maybe ask the court to waive the court filing fees, you know? Yes. And let's say if the newspaper publication is four or 500 bucks, whoever front that, let's say the realtor, the investor front that, you can get that back at the close of escrow, for example. Okay, so there are many ways to work a probate deal. Right. Don't let the initial fee, the initial retainer hold you back. Call me, we can always work something out, okay? So the other pro business you do will prepare you for these. These are the golden opportunities. If you do the other probate, call PRs, you call attorneys, whatever you do, when occasionally you have a past client, center of influence, you're working on expires or for sale by owners and they're a pre-probate and you can bring it to Paul, that's money. So you wanna look for those and don't let the lack of money get in the way. Paul will work, work around that. Number two is, as Paul mentioned, there's two types of probates when you file. There's full authority and limit authority, or the way I think of it is no court approval or court approval required. Sometimes, even though it's full authority, they will go to court for court approval. It happens sometimes. Sometimes limit authority, they fix the problem, get full authority, and sell it without going to court. But with full authority, with full, the majority of the time, it's not going to go to court, okay? Right. It only goes to court when it's a, it's full authority, goes to court when it's a Jerry Springer situation, <laughs> okay? It's a Jerry Springer family, okay? And so, but you can rest assured, if it's full authority, <laughs> If it's full authority, you, the realtor, you, the investor, would have full control over this transaction if it's full authority, okay? All right, 95%, 99%. It, it, I, you know, you've seen exceptions, but of course. So those are the three stages to think about. So just understand there's pre-probate, and then there's, when probate, full and limited authority. And full authority, occasionally, rare exception, needs court approval, but generally, no court approval. Limit authority needs court approval, unless you can move limit authority to full. That's another case where you are going to go to Paul because sometimes they have a tree they don't like anymore. The tree is fumbling the ball. I see this all the time. And yeah. so I have to look at that and say, hey, we could do this, this, and that, get full authority, and we're done lucky split. Yes. Well, let me, let me start to show, show um, audience something here. Because what I have done, guys, is this. I have routinely gone to court to change limited authority to full authority all the time. Bingo. So let me show you how you can do this, okay? So yeah. for example, this is the probate leads program. So for example, 
we're in there right now. Let's say you want to do a search, okay? Let's say you're searching, let's say you search Los Angeles. You put in Los Angeles and let's say you say, okay, give me a case. Give me all the cases, let's say from September 1st to today, okay? You click on search, it's gonna give you all the cases, okay? Now, so let's say for example, let's just go through one or two together. Let's say, if you Hold click on it, it'll tell oh, you it's full authority or limited authority, okay? Hold you on, let me see your screen. I'm oh, sorry. I'm sorry. You, you see the screen or no? No, it's black. Okay, let me, let me get there. So when you, okay, do you see the screen now? Yes. Okay, so the data is presented to you in this format, okay? The majority of cases you see, it's gonna be full authority. For some that are limited authority like this one, Bill, do you see where it says limited authority right there? Yep, yep. Okay, all right. So limited authority is gonna cost that family a minimum of 5,000 or more in lawyer's fee. Okay, it's gonna cost that family an additional 465 bucks court filing fees. If you run into a family that has limited authority, and if they want to switch attorney, I can get them full authority. What I do is I go to an ex party, ex party meaning, hey judge, you know, we want to change it to full authority because we're selling this house. It always works. So as a marketing tip out there, as you're calling these people, if they have limited authority, limited authority might not be the best way to sell a house, okay? Because with limited authority, limited authority, even though you have an accepted offer, it's gotta go for court confirmation and at court confirmation, someone else might show up to bid on this house and the original buyer is out. So a lot of buyer don't like that. And when, it, when, they, when enough buyer don't like that, it may bring the price down. So if you ever have a limited authority case, talk to me. We can, because I, I do it routinely. I change limited to full authority. Bill. So, so Bill, I, I explain from your experience that limited authority, how does that slow down the real estate transaction versus full authority? Well, first off, at a minimum, they've got to file for petition to have court confirmation. So the attorney has to put the paper together. Now you might say, what's the big deal? For some attorneys, it's a big deal. It takes them a week or two to put the paper together. They have to file a petition. I'm sorry, have to file a publication of the property being sold. So then they, they can't sell the property until after a certain date, whatever that is, two weeks and 10 days or whatever it is. And so many times they make a mistake and accept the offer the day before by accident. They file the paperwork and they go to court. If there's one thing wrong, they run the risk of the judge saying, no, the paperwork's no good. Come back next month or come back in 90 days. Today in LA court, if you had a property listed you had, and you had authority, and if you had filed your petition and had run your publication, and if you had accepted the offer today with contingencies and filed the petition for confirmation, today, the date you're gonna to get to get court hearing is most likely April. We're in November. Correct. Right? So with limited authority, it just make your transaction hell. Money, time. With limited authority, your buyer's gotta put down 10%. That's also 10% cash, all contingencies waived. 
All contingencies waived. Bill, Bill, how how do you spell all, Bill? All. How do you spell all, Bill? A-L, right? People don't understand that. You got to clear all contingency, you know? It's and tough to do. It's tough to do. And obviously, to get a buyer degree to put 10% down and waive all contingencies and wait five months, that buyer has to be motivated by thinking they're not paying top dollar. They have to believe they're getting a discount. And that comes out of the homeowner's pocket or the estate's so pocket. So for those of you who are marketing in probate where you see limited authority, tell them that you know a lawyer that can switch it from limited to full. It is terrific. I've yeah. done that many times now. Um, full authority is the way to go if you want to sell real estate in probate. Yes, Bill? Yes, and especially now the judges are more lenient because of COVID. Because the limit authority means everybody has to come in the courtroom. And I've seen the, the judge, my experience since the court reopened June 22nd, I've seen more motions to move from limited to full than any time I've been watching it. And I've seen judges make decisions to allow it being a little more lenient because they wanna, we're in the middle of a pandemic. They wanna be safe. They want us all to be safe. So this is where Paul's relationship with you is worth real money. Commission on probate, full authority is 6%. Commission on probate, full authority, no, no matter where you add a 6% with full authority. Limited authority, you might be looking at five. Yeah. Now, now, here's the problem. With, with limited authority, you've done your best, you got your own buyer, okay? And you're gonna score 6%, yay! You show up in court, Another realtors bring their own buyer and just outbid you by a couple of bucks. You just drop your percentage. You just lost fifty percent of your commission. That's another point to remember, right, Bill? Yeah. Not to mention the buyers always back out during the four month wait. I, I when uh, I had properties selling, and that's the other thing. I had property uh, hearings scheduled in March, and the court rescheduled in September. Every one of them canceled. I had to resell all of those properties. I did three times the work. For, for that for that business. So uh, yeah, Betty asks, probate commission is 5% on houses, yes, on land, 10%. That's the maximum in LA County per the, the local rules, correct? Betty, Betty, it's always 6% commission, full authority. 6% commission, full authority. Full authority, commission is 6%, and you can, and if, if it's your own buyer, you'll get the whole 6%. Yeah. Okay, continue? Yes. Okay, so um, where were we? Um, okay, so we have all three of the types of property. So with that said, let's get into the four angles. I think I typoed that, I'm embarrassed. But, but if you've ever watched the chopping down of a tree, you might have noticed when they chop a tree, they chop from one side about halfway, and then they start chopping from the other side. So when you think of probate, if you're a professional, and this is your business, I want you to think of trying to hit the business from four different angles. The four angles are the property, the people, the attorney, and the case. And, and this, is what, this is what we think about a little more complicated than just buying the data, making phone calls, is your strategy focused on the people, which is the petitioner, but can you also attack that same listing from the property by, by driving it? Even the executors out of state, knowing the property gives you big advantages. Can you reach out to the attorney? Do you recognize the attorney? Can you call the attorney and talk to them? 
and also the case. Learn how the case works, learn how the courthouse works. So those are four different angles. I'm gonna talk about marketing here, but I want you to think about the angles that we're gonna tap. So there's 11 different ways to generate business and probate, not just one. So many realtors have only been trained one, which is, which is great, call probate data, I would say probate money, uh, uh, call the leads in your county or download them and put them a dollar and call the leads, great to do. But there's more, there's 10 other ways to get business using that system, I'm gonna show them to you. Number one's pre-probate. So pre-probate strategies include working with investors, working with wholesalers. If you're an investor wholesaler, working with a realtor who's attacking the same market you are, and then working as a team. And so what I do is I have investors wholesalers who can go door knock the property and see, are there tenants there? That's valuable information. Is a tenant planning on moving out? That's valuable intel that other agents don't have. And by working with investors and wholesalers and attacking that property uh, pre-probate. So I have investors wholesalers who look at, they'll drive for dollars, They'll look at ugly homes and they'll find properties where the ownership isn't clear. Well, who owns the property? Well, I don't know. My grandma died. She left her mom and dad. I'm the only grandson. That's a probate. I'm one of four grandchildren. That's probably a contested probate. Could be. But so you're looking for real estate transactions, not necessarily. And then when you find that, the first thing you do, call me or if you have probate money, look up the name. Is it a probate or not? You might find it is in probate. You might find it's been stalled in probate. Very common to, that to you, it's a pre-probate, but they filed a year ago and they got delayed and declined and delayed and declined and an objection shows up and they just kind of give up. That's yeah. when you talk to them and you bring in Paul Horn. Yeah, hey, uh, uh, Bill, on that topic, Bill, on that, on, on that topic. Hey, V, are you there, V? Are you, are you on the line, V? Yeah, I'm there. V, if someone wanted to, Bill was saying, hey, if you wanted to know if a house is in probate or not, if a probate has been filed, our, da our database goes back five years. With, okay? with uh, some counties, yeah, not all counties, yeah. Los Angeles, Orange County, Riverside, San Bernardino, uh, San Diego, it goes back five years, okay? So all you got to do is type in the name, type in the name of the decedent. V, why don't you show us an example? Do you have an example? Oh, do you want me to come back to you, V, so you can prepare it? Because if you have, like Bill was saying, you punch in the name of the homeowner into probate money, it goes back five years, it will tell you if a probate has been filed. I, as a probate attorney, use it sometime too. When the son comes to me and says, you know, I don't know if my sister filed probate or not. My sister and I are the, are the typical Jerry Springer family. We, we <laughs> haven't talked in the last 35 years. I will use probate money, type in the, the decedent's name, and right. we'll know if a probate's been filed. Probate money, we, we pump, we retrieve the data from the court on a daily basis, okay? So it's very, very... Updated is the most updated system you're gonna find anywhere, Bill. Would you agree, Bill? Yeah, no, I use it. I use it every day. People call me in transactions, wholesalers, investors, and really, it's just as simple as the data. Um, let me see if I can if I can pull it real fast. Um, if you want, I could I could I don't know if uh, 
V or Kevin, I can do a quick search and show what that looks like. Go ahead, go ahead. You, okay. you have control now. Okay, so let me share my screen again. Uh, screen two. Okay, so you should be, should be seeing now the, um, no? Okay, let's do this. Do you guys see the, the data, the uh, program? Yes, yep, yep, I can see okay. your screen. Okay, so login, I don't want you to see my login. Okay, new search. So if, if I get a phone call and an investor calls me and says, hey, do I have a property? Mr. Smith, you have to put a name in of the listing, doesn't really matter, uh, uh, has a property, is that a probate? So my little shortcut is I just put the date in and I backdated three years like that. I know it's kind of cheating, but whatever. And it's LA County and then advanced search, um, uh, decedent name Smith and search. And it will pull up all these cases. Obviously we can have a less common name. It will give you the date file, the city, if there's encumbrances or not. You click on it, it brings you the case information and you have everything right there. Bill, Bill, hold on, hold on to this one second. Show them if they wanted to contact the petitioner, Bill, uh -huh. show them the phone number. Is there a phone number to, to call? Yeah, petitioner is Marty, this one is Marty, whatever. And there's a phone number and there's their attorney and the phone number, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And now sometimes you'll find out you met, let's say the tenant is another son, right? And the, the older sister lives out of state, but the local son lives locally and there's their phone number and you call Paul and Paul then can maybe file and make them the executor instead of the, the older uh, uh, sibling who's out of state. And there's other reasons why Paul might be able to get your favored contact person into control. So that's a whole this is a whole, uh, again, the pre-probate is, is puts you in command. And that's why I would say enlist investors and wholesalers if you're an agent. If you're, investor, if you're an investor wholesaler, work with a real estate agent. I'd be glad to talk to you. And work as a team on these deals. Because I can't talk to them if they're listed, but the investor wholesaler can. And we both can talk to the attorneys. It gives us all kinds of information. And again, this is just two different ways to chop the tree. Okay, I can go on. Look, I can I do an hour class on each of these individual um, methodologies for getting probate. So I I, I don't want to go too deep unless you want me to go deeper. Um, and I just lost my spot here. Where is that? Uh, where? Ah, no. Hold on a second. I'm so sorry. I lost my spot. Open my notes. Eleven. Well, while Bill is looking for uh, whatever he's looking for, uh, I don't know if you guys mentioned that, but I think he kind of brought it up a little bit that you can also search in our system. You can specifically search for out-of-state PRs. Yeah. So if, and that's usually, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's a good angle because I think a lot of these people that live out-of-state, they want to get rid of the property as soon as possible. And you can actually filter that out in our system. Bill, tell us, tell us why would you want to let's say what's one good or a couple of good reasons why you want to locate personal representative that are not in California. Well, that's another topic down a little bit, but what I'll say is I have a friend um, who she goes to court to get the data herself, even though I've told her about your product and she goes through all the cases to find the few where the petitioners out of state on the idea that a local petitioner is more likely to have a realtor, but an out of state, executor or a petitioner uh, doesn't have a realtor but also might need help with uh, 
you know, uh, moving material, moving stuff out, clean up, uh, a junk out, estate sales, uh, gardening services, security of the property, just pictures of the property they appreciate. So there's a lot of reasons why you might want to focus on out-of-state uh, petitioners, executors, rather than in-state. Right, and, and imagine this, because we give you the petitioner's phone number. Imagine if you stood outside of that probate house and said, hey, I'm standing outside of your mom's house. Yes. This is my farm area. I know the yeah. area. Here's a picture yeah. of the house. Here's a video. Yeah. Call me. Yeah. I noticed that the uh, back door's broken in. I noticed the window's broken. I've noticed you're way overgrown. You know, you can offer to help. I have a gardening service. I'm glad to introduce you to that can you know, fix it for you if that's what you want to do. As your listing agent, I'll advance the funds on some of those things for you. Absolutely. Great. Okay, so I'm going to close this. Um, I'm going to move this over here. And now we're back to, do you see the screen, uh, number one, pre-probate? Yeah. Hey, 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 uh, uh, Bill, address a little bit about the do not call list. So when they, when, so we, when we, when we, when we give you the phone number of the PR on this platform, we also run it through the do not call list. Is that correct, V? V? We do. Yes, yes, it's correct. Uh, so we, we interfacing with this really fancy, expensive service that does it real time. And so every, every PR number and attorney number, we run it um, through the, you know, against the DNC list. And if you about a call, there's a little button that says rescan. You can actually rescan it again and double check. And, you know, because sometimes they do drop from the list. So, uh, yeah, we 100% we implemented that for you guys. Bill, address the do not, someone's asking, how do you handle that? The, the first thing I would say is everybody who's with, like I'm with a national company, EXP Realty, and we have our uh, you know, company policy. You have to make sure that you're compliant if you're with a company with company policies or office policies. But in general, I'll say this to you. Uh, my understanding is the do not call, of course, Paul's an attorney, at the risk of, of quoting law in front of an attorney, uh, do, not, do not call this, says you can't sell things on the phone. I'm not selling anything. Uh, I, I have a neighbor who has a problem with her house. I'm calling and offering to be of assistance to them. So I don't believe it applies. Uh, now, obviously, and this is the big mistake realtors make, when somebody says to you on the do not call list, you need to politely get off the phone as quickly and gently as possible. The mistake people make all the time is engaging with, well, no, it doesn't say it's on the do not call list. It doesn't matter. Or I, I'm exempt from the call list. Don't argue with them about it. But I will say to you that if you're not selling anything, if you're calling to be a service, Hey, I noticed your property is in disrepair. I'm a, I'm a local real estate agent. Call to see how I can help you. If you're calling about a probate, no, she filed probate. Call to see if I can be of assistance with you. That's not selling anything. You're not calling them and offering them timeshares or, or something of that nature. So my understanding is that it specifically is exempt, but don't abuse it. Right. And, and remember how we, we said always come with a servant heart. Hey, yeah. we specialize in helping distressed family member yes. in probate. And we noticed that, you know, your family in probate is something, is this something we can help you with? That's all, Bill, yeah. right? Yes. So just to wrap up pre-probate, I would say that this is the area where they have the most challenges. But I try to tell real estate agents I coach and salespeople I coach, we're, in, we're looking for challenges. Their challenge is our opportunity. 
So we're looking for unclear title. They often are not able to get into action. They're procrastinators. Uh, they've been bombarded with salespeople. I just literally took a listing and sold it, uh, what I would call pre-probate, uh, where all I did was listen to this guy for about 45 minutes. And we listed it. I, I had some of my team list the property. It was out in Loma Linda. And she kind of complained to me about how he went on and on. I said to her, but that was our service opportunity. Like this guy obviously hadn't been listened to by anybody. So probates, pre-probates have more challenges, but if you have the solutions for money, legal help, Paul Horn, administrative help, emotional support, this is where you can make the most money. Okay. Um, someone asked if, if they are paying for some basic fee to start the probate, how do they get your money back? It's not a problem. As the probate attorney, I will make sure you get your money back. It's a re the estate will reimburse you the money back. So don't worry about it. If I'm the private attorney, you will get your money back. Whether when we close escrow, it, it's, don't worry about that at all. If the family is broke and you need to front some court filing fees or publication fee, you will get it back. It's a non-issue. Don't worry about that. Well, I would say make sure you document the expenses with receipts and make sure you document the estate's approval of the expenses. Correct. But, but, but make sure you, you talk with me first before yeah. you do that so I can orchestrate how you're going to get your money back. Yes. Very good. Okay. Number two is probate leads marketing petitioner. So this is the most common strategy used by people uh, in the business, real estate agents and investors. This is the most common customer for probate money and similar services. So I some of you already do this. I want to kind of share with you some thoughts on this. Um, the first thing I want to say is, you know, you want to have a, like I mentioned, a multi-pronged approach to a, a property you want to have a multi-pronged approach marketing-wise. That means you want to call, you want to mail, you want to go to the door, you want to meet them in person. The more different ways you approach in marketing today, the more success you're going to have. Also, really important to track your numbers. If you're going to download 100, 200 leads and call them all, how many did you dial? More importantly, how many did you talk to per hour? You got to track those numbers. If you're going to mail them, how many mailers went out? How many mailers came back bad? Because you want to update your database to weed those out. And then how many responded to call you or text you or, or whatever your call to action is in your mail. You have to track your numbers. The biggest mistake agents make is they buy the Paul Horton data. They download it. They call them all once. Nobody calls them back. They mail stuff out. Nobody mails back and they give up. But that's not the way to go. And you want to combine your marketing, meaning... If you call and, and they're, they're a dead deal, they have no real estate, or it's already listed with somebody else, right? Take them off your database so you cannot mail to them, right? You want to mail out, but you want to make sure you lower your database so you can put more money into the people who you want to mail to and not spend money to people that you don't want to mail to. My general rule is I would not mail to anybody I haven't talked to. So I would call first, if I got 100 leads, and I talk to maybe 10 of them, even if they say they have another a realtor, even if they have an attorney who hates me personally, I would mail to the 10. I wouldn't mail to the 100. I might recall the other 90, and as I get through to them, add them into my list for mailers. My rule is I want to mail where I've talked to, so my phone call and mail work together. That's my strategy. 
Right, and 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 Bill, we on the probatemoney.com, we have a personalized CRM yes. for you to track your number as well. To V, uh, do you have it on screen, V, to show them what Bill is saying as they are marketing? How do they track it, V? Show them the CRM portion, V. Uh, sure. You wanna you want me to share the screen real quick? Yeah, just just real fast. So like Bill was saying, I think it's important. Hey, don't right, do sure. once and not do again, Bill, because it's it's the repetition that what's the general rule of thumb? What five mailer on the fifth or sixth mailer, uh, Bill? Is that the general rule of thumb? I would say on the tenth contact is really uh, for people who market in real estate. It's about ten contacts. If you if you would to put a bell curve, the middle is about the tenth contact, and that means probably. You should be open to 12 or 14. It's going to be, you're going to contact them most commonly over a two-year period. You know, it's amazing to me, when you look at Paul Horn's um, um, process timeline, and he says, well, from beginning to end, it's about a year, year and a half. What's fascinating to me is if you just look at the hearing numbers in LA County Court, how many hearings are for cases that start 1-8 STPB? That means they filed in 2018, 1-9 STPB a lot of them, 1-7 STPB, they're filed in 2017. These cases stay around for a long time. And so I would rather chase somebody for two years that I have a relationship with than mail a bunch of mailers that go to waste with people who aren't ever gonna work with me. Right, and, and when someone is in probate, just because they don't sell their house right away, Bill, doesn't mean they're never gonna sell it, right? Bingo, so bingo. Because, because this is a son or daughter inheriting the house, you know, they have no idea. They think being a, being a landlord is terrific. Wait till they get a phone call on Saturday morning at 11 a.m. or at nighttime, the toilet's clogged up, right, Bill? You know? So, so Mark says, I've seen cases for years. Yes, years and years and years and years. It's hysterical. I, I'll say this. I don't think there's a case in L.A. that went through limit authority in less than a year and four months in L.A. currently. They're all older than that. Diane asked 10 contacts the same person. Yes. Think about it. If you call them every 30 days, you mail them every 30 days, that's just three or four months. In LA, if you file today, you don't get your first hearing for about three months. So yeah, I would call them 10 times. I would keep on them every 30 days. Uh, and if I talk to them, I'd mail them uh, and do mail them every 30 days minimum. And I know people do more. There's people on this phone call, I don't call them out. They do more than that, more than once every 30 days. Absolutely, 10 contacts in any real estate, not even just probate, in any real estate. Um, okay, what else I wanted to say on this? Oh, everybody has a realtor. So when you call them, I got this question early in this call. Everybody will say, well, we already have a realtor. That's true in probate and that's true in non-probate. Having called expired listings, everybody I called had a, uh, had a realtor. And then they'll say, oh, we love, love, love our realtor. And I'd say, well, I, I appreciate you love them. And that's great. But have they shown you the ability to sell your house? Right? So just because they have a realtor doesn't mean they're not going to hire you unless you give up. Then you've shown them you're not good enough because you've given up. So don't take that. Just walk through that. The basic objection handling system of real estate that I teach is a three-step process. You, you uh, repeat, you affirm, and then you come back with another question. So when I call a petitioner and say, I'm calling to see I can help you with your probate. And they say, oh, that's okay. We have another realtor. I would repeat, oh, you already have a realtor. I would affirm, that's great. 
Third question, something else to move it forward. So I'm curious, I noticed the house is overgrown in the fronts. Have you considered getting a, a, a gardener service? I'd be glad to refer you mine or whatever it is. So you repeat, affirm, and then ask them the question to keep things moving forward. Because if they're talking to you, they don't have a realtor, unless they're listed. That's different. If they're listed, you can't talk to them anymore about the listing. Paul. Good. And then, and then so do what Bill says, but, and also ask them, hey, have your realtor told you about maybe getting some insurance on this property? Yeah. yeah. That's when, when your mom was alive, she was living there. Now that she passed away, the house is vacant. Have your realtor told you about maybe adding a vacancy clause to your existing insurance to make sure if the house burns down the insurance there's a vacancy clause to cover this house and you could try to wedge yourself between them and that realtor just keep trying to wedge your way in there and that might take multiple phone calls might take multiple phone calls i've had people say oh my realtor told me we had to wait for an original certified copy of the order to list the property that's not true in los angeles county I've had people tell me that my uh, uh, realtor, you know, says I can't do anything until we have letters. That's not really true. There's a lot you can do before you have letters. Paul, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. And, and so what I tell you guys is it's true that letters and orders are sort of the driver license, the passport for the personal representative signed legal document. But you can sign the listing agreement, add a contingency clause there that says, contingent on Mary Smith being appointed as the personal representative of the Jane Smith estate. Yep. So take the listing right away with a contingency clause. Yep. Yep. Um, and, and I'm getting a, a, a lot of phone, a lot of questions here about other tips going deep. I want to say in each of these, I do an hour class. So I'm, I'm going to cover quickly 11 topics. So forgive me for running through and I want to give as much as I can. Um, also uh, attorney, either cooperate with their attorney or if you can't, separate their attorney and get them to Paul. Because, because either the attorney is your ally in helping you help the estate, or they're in the way. And in my experience, now Paul can't say this, but I, I can say this. I've been in LA County Court. I was there for two years. I've seen more court sales than anybody in LA County. I was there every day until COVID. I've seen more than any judge, more than any attorney, and more than any realtor. But here's what I can tell you. 90% of attorneys know nothing about probate. The, ten, the top 5%, the Paul Horns and the few others in his class are experts. They're killers. Next 5% are good attorneys, kind of humble, and they work their way through it. 90% of the probate cases are handled by people who have not done one probate in two years. How can you do anything well if you haven't done any in two years? So know that your job, even though they might say, the attorney's the greatest attorney in the world, he's our family attorney, we love him, love him, love him. Great. I noticed when I went through probate money, your attorney, Joe Smith, hasn't done one probate in the last three years. That's as far back as our software goes. Did he tell you that? I can say I've seen so many good attorneys mess up probates because they don't know what to do. So again, either if they're going to say, or a probate is so-and-so, or attorney is so-and-so, you can call that attorney and work with them, great. Now you have a nice introduction to an attorney. But if they shut the door on you, on the attorney part of it, or the attorney is not helpful on the phone, your job is to get that attorney off the case. Because if, if the attorney, my experience, is so stupid to be rude to you as a realtor, they do not know how to handle probate. My job as a listing agent is to be best friends with every realtor I meet, because I want you to sell my listings. 
and I want to buy your listings. Attorneys don't understand that. They see all of us as scum, most of them. And when you call them, if they don't treat you professionally, you need to know your job is to separate them off that case. If you can't do what you can to do that. Okay, that's a whole topic. I'm going to go into there. Go see the property. Also, probate leads, take notes. If you're going to call them 10 times over three months, you want to remind them three months later that you saw the property, that they had questions, they have a sibling, whatever it is. That's how you create equity in the relationship. Okay, again, I can go on for hours on this topic. Um, how long does it take an average to close a probate list in California? Too damn long, Prabhu, way too long. Substitution of attorney, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when they get the, they go to the hearing date, the hearing gets delayed because the attorney was incompetent, didn't do the publication right, didn't do the notice right. You can call that lead back and say, hey, by the way, that's a rookie error that your attorney made. It's costing you thousands of dollars. And your attorney's gonna charge you for his time to fix his problem. And I know an attorney who does these look and you split. His name is Paul Horn. Let's get you on the phone with him right away and get you with somebody who knows what they're doing. Bill, Bill, one, one common thing is, oh my God, I'm adding another lawyer. Is it gonna cost me more money? The answer is no, not a penny more. Here's why. In probate, there's something called a statutory fee that governs how much a probate attorney can make. So it's a, it's a fee. So if the house sells for $500,000, the fee is 4% of the first 100 grand, 3% of the next 100,000, and 2%. So on a $500,000 house, you're talking about 4,000, 3,000, 6,000. So that's a total of 13 grand on a $500,000 house. That 13 grand, Bill, if I'm subbing in, I will share that 13 grand with the first lawyer. So it does not cost your client a penny more when they substitute in another lawyer, okay? Because the statutory fee gets split between the two lawyers, Bill. And that attorney is glad to get the half because they don't know what they're doing. They know what we're doing. At least they're getting half and they're done working on something they should have taken in the first place in my experience. Okay. Um, Okay, that's probate. Again, I can go deeper on this stuff, but I, I want to cover all 11 points and I, I'm, uh, we have a limited amount of time today. So let me go on to number three, which is probate leads marking to attorney. Now, I just want to say, I, don't, I know a guy who did this and built a business starting 15 years ago and built a huge business in Northern California. I don't know anybody who's done this locally where they market to attorneys. I think you can supplement this. I'm going to give you 11 different ways. Most realtors, your primary is going to be number two. Most investors, your primary is going to be number one and two. But what I can say is you can add in pieces of the rest I'm going to give you when those opportunities present themselves. Don't be silly and cold call attorneys. Because I want to tell you, attorneys hate being cold called. They hate it. They hate cold emails. They hate cold, they make fun of the, the mail they get. They tell me every time they open a probate, they get 20, 30 pieces of mail. They get 20, 30 phone calls one time. So I'm gonna give you a couple points to think about is you don't wanna cold call them, you wanna bring them value. So if you're working with a prospect of theirs and you can help the situation, you wanna help the situation, help them do their job. And there's a number of ways that you can do that. Also, instead of just calling them once, you wanna think about if you're gonna market to an attorney, multiple times. So the, the uh, attorneys for the petitioners that you're following on, you need to have a strategy to reach out to them. Say, hey, I reached out to your petitioner, uh, Joe Mary Smith or whatever, and keep in touch with them. Send them a postcard once a month for the three months. Call them every 30 days to see if you can help. 
Now, in the old days, I would actually go to court and meet the petitioner on certain cases and meet the attorney at the courthouse. If they, I would ask the attorney, I noticed your hearing is next week. Do you plan on being there? I'd love to buy a cup of coffee. No, I'm going to video in. I know I'm going to call in. Okay. I know your client says she's going to go because she wants to see what's going on. And I'm going to meet them there. And I just thought I would see if there's anything I can help you with while I'm there. So you want to just let them know that you're, that you're in the field, you're in the business, that you're knowledgeable. You can pick up the original court order once the order is approved. Those are things that people in the court can do. I wouldn't cold call them. I would definitely reach out. And I also would reach out if I got the listing, I would call that attorney and mail that attorney every three days for the length of time. I would call them regularly on the status of the file. They may never want any information, but they'll know you're on top of your game. Okay, that's attorneys. Next. MLS full authority. Now, if you listen carefully to um, Kevin, when, when Paul asked him, how'd you find the deal? Kevin said, what? In the MLS. And we as realtors think, well, you know, there's no properties there. Well, here's what I tell you. <clears throat> the margins in, in, in probate aren't as thick as people think they are, but there's a margin there. MLS full authority, when most, when half the realtors see a listing and it says probate, they just avoid it. Half the realtors just skip the property. And so what I want to tell you is that's a mistake. That, that it should be the opposite. You should run all of the MLS search by court full authority because you know, based on what Paul told you, there's really no difference between a, a probate with full authority and a, non, and a regular transaction. But if half the realtors aren't looking at it, some of these deals fall through the cracks. And so I would definitely, just like I look at new listings that come on the market, I would for sure look twice at anything with a probate. And so I would set up a separate search. I've done this for all probates to double check the full authority. Now, to do these, a couple things. I believe as a realtor, you need to know the forms. I tell realtors I train, you can't ask a customer to sign a document you haven't read and that you don't know. You've got to read the purchase, uh, probate purchase agreement. You've got to read the probate listing agreement. But I believe if you know those forms, you know the process, that when you talk to buyers, you can say, hey, one reason to work with me rather than other agents is in addition to all the properties in the area, I double check the probate market because occasionally something might fall through the cracks that I can bring to your attention. And everybody likes a deal. Everybody likes being on the inside of information. And so when I call a buyer and say, hey, by the way, I found this property. I know you're looking in Torrance. By the way, it's a probate. So a lot of realtors didn't notice this, but it's actually full authority. So it's no different to you than any of the property. Uh, it's a three bedroom, two bath. This, the buyer's going to listen a little more carefully to that property, correct? So if you're a buyer's agent, you should definitely search through MLS full authority. But again, make sure you read the forms, you know the process, the form that Paul mentioned, the notice of proposed action, notice what that looks like. So you know that's the only other form really that's between you and selling that property. Um, and use automation, meaning if you're an agent, you can put in the MLS and search those. They come to you via email automatically. All I'm telling you is set that up and look at those properties every day when they come on the market in your geography. You work the South Bay, you should have every South Bay probate full authority come to your email and just double check them. Bill, 
Bill, in, in our system now, it, you can put in your zip code and our system will email you all the probate in your farm area instantly the, the moment it comes in the system. Okay, so I'm going to use that feature. And what's nice is you guys also cross-reference to Zillow, uh, the Zillow estimate, and there's all kinds of good features to it. So definitely set up that feature. And if you're an investor and you create money, that's a way that you can see the properties as well. So fantastic. So again, use a full authority property. And then you can also, if you know, if you go into public records, get the name of the seller, you can go into probate money and look up the case and find out what the status is of the case. Was it filed or not? Sometimes I've seen properties listed as probate. They didn't file the case yet. I had it happen recently, which is good. I brought it to somebody and, and we moved it forward. Next is MLS limit authority. Now, this is a little different. Again, many people are trained to avoid these. I say, if you're a buyer's agent, this is a way to bring extra value to your buyers. You should search in your geography, whatever that means to you, zip code or area, all MLS limit authority, but jump on them right away. You might want to be the first buyer on the deal. And I would always make sure the listing agent knows my buyer expects a discount because he's going to wait for four and a half months, maybe, and have 10% deposit, not 3%. And waive all contingencies, we need incentive to keep them in the deal that long. Yes. If you find an MLS limited authority and you're an investor, you should talk to that listing agent. Yes. Maybe I can help them switch it to full authority. Absolutely. And what does that do? That guarantees you, Mr. Investor, the purchase. Yes. And it makes the listing agent look better too. Now he or she is saving the estate an extra four or five months and an extra four or five grand worth of extra costs and limited authority. Exactly. Exactly. So definitely worth looking into to uh, the limit authority is getting on those deals as soon as they're listed and then um, look at the situation, try to get it, get your offer accepted. You have a contingency period. So I said, get your offer accepted and then research the probate case, call in Paul Horn. He comes riding in on the white horse and can make everybody some money faster. Um, okay. So where are we here? Um, Know the process. If you're going to do limited authority, know there's a process. They have to publish in uh, uh, newspapers, uh, which are online, the date by which they can't accept an offer before. So you'll see sometimes they'll say, can't accept offers before uh, November 15th at 5 p.m. They can't because if they accept it before, the court will invalidate the sale or they run the risk of being invalidated. So you want to verify that if you can online. Go look at the publication if you can. Know that initially you don't need, sometimes listing agents don't know what they're doing. You will need 10% initially. You need 3% to get the contract. Then you have time to do all the normal contingencies you normally do. And then when you waive contingencies is when you put the 10% into escrow. And for limit authority, if you're the original buyer or you represent the original buyer, the money goes into escrow, not to the estate. So you can, you have time from when the offer is accepted before you have to put your 10% down and before you waive all contingencies to do your due diligence and know that process and learn the process so that you can use it to your, your client's advantage. And then last I'd say on this one is have a strategy at court, meaning let's say you buy a property and you know that it's worth uh, 525, but you're able to get them to accept your offer at 500 because it's a long wait. So is your buyer gonna, if, if another buyer shows up at court to bid, 
525.5, they have to raise you by 5% plus $500. That's the, the rule in California. If you want to overbid, it's 5% plus $500. If, they're going to, if, if somebody's going to do that, does your buyer want to overbid over that or not? And they might say no. Now, what I recommend is, even if your buyer says, I won't pay a penny more, don't tell that to the other side. Tell them my buyer will pay whatever it takes to get this property. Because you want to discourage bidders, you don't want to encourage them. Big mistake I see all the time. I call listing agents and attorneys. I'll say, yeah, this buyer said he's not paying one penny more. I go, oh, that's too bad. I hang up. Great. I call investors. Hey, this guy's not going to pay any more. Here's a chance to steal the deal. So know that as a buyer's agent, you want to have your bidding strategy down and know what to do. Um, okay, here we go. Next is court confirmation sales and auctions. This is one of the areas that I focus in on. Now, again, what I want to say to you today is I'm going to lay out for you 11 different ways. You want to work at least two or three to be effective. And so what I learned was by listing property, working with petitioners and attorneys, all of a sudden I had properties going to, to sale. And by going to court, I found properties that had to go to sale. And I learned that process inside and out. I learned some tricks as to what to do. And what I would say to you is, if this is an area you want to work on, go to court sales and watch them regularly. Learn the process. Watch how it varies from judge to judge. I've had attorneys or petitioners ask me, well, once there's an auction, how much higher does it go? Does a judge ask for raises of 1,000 or five or 10,000? I'll say it varies on judges and it varies on the day. I've seen the same judge in the same day to, to do two different methods. By saying that, I'm sharing my expertise with the attorney that I can help them get through this process. But you have to learn that process and become the expert, I think, to be successful in that process. Know the rules. At court, you show up with 10% of the overbid amount. So the property is being bid at 500,000. You need a cashier's check for 10%, which is $50,000, made out to the estate, unless there's instructions otherwise in the MLS. You need to know those rules. Know yeah. that from the day that the, when you go to court, while the judge will issue the approval, if you win, there's what's called a minute order, which is kind of like notes. Really, you can't close until you get the original signed order that's prepared by the attorney and signed by the judge. And you need to serve a copy of that. And from you know, let me show them sort of a quick snapshot of the limited authority step. Do you see my screen, Bill? No. Okay, let's see. Look, so look at my screen, guys. Look at my screen. Do you see it says limited authority? Yes. Okay, so, so take a snapshot of this. This is the limited authority roadmap. So it's a, it's a probate. Letters and orders are issued, okay? If it's limited authority, keep in mind that the listing agent has got to sell this property at least 90% of what the probate referee valued for, okay? Um, if the court value for 500 grand, the probate referee, that you, the listing agent, has to list it at least at 450, okay? The lawyer has to publish in the newspaper. Once the newspaper publication is finished, then you can accept an offer with a 10% down. Then the buyer clear all contingency. And then I, the probate attorney, 
sets a court confirmation date to quote unquote auction that sale in court, court confirmation, okay? The listing agent, the selling agent, and the probate attorney will go to court, okay? And when you go to court, if the accepted offer is 500,000, look at this screen, guys. This is the calculation. When you go to court, if the accepted offer is 500 grand, Bill was telling you it's 5% plus 500, that's correct. You can do it that way. On the board is also the math. So I would take a snapshot and copy this. This is your roadmap in court confirmation. Okay, this is how you do it. So what I normally do when I'm the attorney, uh, the attorney handling court confirmation, I will basically check in the courthouse, hey, is anybody here bidding on 123 Main Street? Oh, you? You want to bid? Okay, give me a 10% cashier check, please. If you don't bring a 10% cashier check, I don't let you play the game, okay? Um, so once we go to bid, so let's say, for example, if, if the original offer is 500 grand, the starting bid is 525, and let's say the winner is 550, the judge will say, hey, Mr. Winner, Miss Winner, how would you like to take title to the house, okay? So the winner will tell the judge, take it as Mary Smith, a single woman, for example. It takes about two weeks for the judge to sign the order. Once the order comes out, you take that to escrow to close. Okay, go ahead, Bill. Yeah, there's a lot of pieces there to that. And, 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 and it could be, um, let me click back on if I can. Um, a lot of pieces that, that Paul covered. Um, you know, for example, do you give the cashier's check to the attorney or not? Sometimes the, the estate doesn't have a checking account. And I've had attorneys give me back the check and say, can you wire it to escrow? I think it's a big mistake, but they do that. It is. So a, it lot is. Of little, a lot of little nuances to this process that are worth studying. Again, I, I don't have an hour to go over it, but just know that all these have, you know, I can give you the overview. They all require the work. And as you do the work, you'll learn those tricks on your own as well. Or call me if I can help in some way. Okay, next is... The courthouse. Now, if you're a real estate agent, we're in the meet the people business. That's our job. Just like some realtors would go walk in a neighborhood every day, I went to court every day. So for two years, uh, and that's why Paul decided there regularly was, I got there at, uh, court opened at 8.30. I got there at 7.45. I bought a cup of coffee. I dressed like an attorney. And I would meet attorneys there. I'd meet petitioners there. I'd meet investors there. I would meet court vendors there. I would go see people in the research room. And just by hanging around, what I would say is, one of my best teachers taught me, how do you get hit by a car? You stand in traffic. The biggest listing in my career, I got literally, I bought a cup of coffee at the Moss Courthouse on the second floor, what I call Main Street. There's the main aisleway and the entrance on the second floor. I would just stand there having a cup of coffee. And a friend of mine, I didn't know she had property to sell. I was there, we talked. Next thing you know, I'm selling a bunch of property. So like anything else, getting out, meeting people in the research room, the hallways, the clerks, be nice to the clerks, the vendors. There's all kinds of ways you can get business um, from just being in the courthouse. Okay, number eight, living trust program. Okay, this one's a little different. And I think I changed uh, buyers and sellers or consumers. So. This is a little different tack than the probate money. 
but it plays into the probate money this way. Um, everybody you talk to who's either owns property or wants to own a property should have a living trust, true or false. Type your answer in the chat box. True or false. Bill, they don't need a living trust, Bill, because if, if you're not going to die, Bill, you don't need a living trust. Oh, okay. So if you live forever, then the answer is no. But if you're human, uh, do you need a living trust if you own property? Uh, and the answer is what? Yes. Everybody who owns property, buys property, should have a living trust. So what you need to be aware of is when you work with buyers, for example, you need to say, I notice we're writing an offer, but we're going to buy the property in your name, Joe and Betty, or we make the offer in the name of your living trust. They say, well, I don't have a living trust. You don't. The buyer property, we should get one for you. Now, this is a little controversial, and Paul's not going to like this. I like Paul a lot, but, you know, um, a, a bad living trust, in my experience, is better than no living trust 90% of the time. Because you can fix a bad living trust. You can't create one after the fact. And so I tell buyers, you need to have one. Let's go on to LegalZoom, or as a vendor, I use Easy Probate, and let's get a living trust set so we can buy the property properly. Now, if they already own a property, I would say the following. Hey, I noticed... Uh, Betty, that your whole title looks like the name of Joe and Betty Smith, not living trust. Do you guys not have a living trust? Do you understand how that could be a benefit to you? And you want to open that dialogue with buyers, sellers, prospects, and leads. So you can talk to them about how they can avoid probate. Not that we want to put Paul out of business. There's plenty of probates for Paul for the rest of his lifetime. Right. But, but, but go on, on the chat box. I just gave you a link. Watch that link, that video. At least it'll tell you what what is a living trust, Bill. So, so do what Bill is saying, but also I give you on the chat box, click on that link. It will educate you and your client what should be what should be in a living trust. What does it look like? What does it smell like? What is a living trust? Go ahead, Bill. That's a, that's a great resource to send out. So we talk to customers, they say no. You can send them the video and let Paul tell them what a living trust is. But, the, but what happens is, let me ask you this. What would a buyer prospect think of you when you even bring that subject up? They're going to think you know more than the average bear. What's a seller prospect going to think? You know more than the average bear. So here's the next step. When they have a living trust, you want to say to them, hey, hey uh, Betty, I notice you and, and John hold property and title in your living trust. Yes, we do. I'm curious, can I ask who did it for you because I deal with this all the time with clients who don't have living trusts and need one. Who did yours? Betty Boop, the attorney. Wow, Betty Boop. And would you recommend Betty Boop to my other clients? And they're either going to say, yes, Betty Boop's the greatest. We love Betty Boop. She took care of the whole thing for us. Here's her phone number. Here's her email. Call Betty Boop. We love Betty Boop. Now what do you have? You go back, you say you want to prospect attorneys. This is how you do it. You call up the attorney. Hey, Betty Boop, I was just talking to your clients, Betty and Joe Smith. I noticed that you did a living trust with them. They thought you're the greatest. I'm a real estate investor. I'm a real estate agent. I deal with people all the time who don't have living trust but need one. Do you take referrals? Do you take, are you still doing living trust for clients? That's a key question to ask because you want to ask a question. Tell us the attorney you know their business. Not all attorneys who started doing living trust will still do them. Some do, many do, most do. But there are attorneys who say, oh, I did that when I was younger. Now I refer that out to somebody else. By asking a question, you're kind of telling them you know their business a little bit. 
And if they say yes, then now you have somebody you can refer to for living trusts. Now, of course, Paul Horn is another resource for living trusts. But if your clients are happy with Betty Boop, it's a way to meet other attorneys as well. Also, you might find attorneys that market living trusts, like Paul or other attorneys that you want to work with and offer to co-market their product, co-market their service. If they do live living trust presentations, why not invite your client list to come meet Paul Horn when he talks about living trusts? Why not promote Paul Horn's Eventbrite, via Eventbrite when he does an online seminar on living trusts? So by using the attorney's living trust, you can market that to your clients and prospects and also understand that's going to elevate you in the eyes of the client. You're not just a realtor handing out pens and baking cookies in open houses. You're helping them avoid probate and save money on taxes. That's a whole hour long seminar. Um, and I guess I'll look for any questions on that and we can talk about it. And somehow I lost my chat box. I don't know what happened with that. Um, okay, next, mindful of time. Living trust attorney referrals, I just gave you that one, which is, when you reach out to um, your clients, they're gonna introduce you to attorneys. But also, if you're a real estate agent, look for attorneys who are marketing living trust programs. This is what I did. I found an attorney in the South Bay, great young guy. And he was having events where he had 40, 50 people come. I said to him, hey, can I invite my South Bay clients to your living trust program? Well, of course you can. Great. And over time we became friends and he, he and I worked together, right? So look for attorneys Nowadays, because of COVID, it's online. That will end at some point, theoretically. In the meantime, even online, look for ways to promote attorneys' living trust services and co-market them together as a way to develop the relationship with the attorney. Next is COI marketing. And what I want to say to you is, in real estate, it's important to have a niche and have branding. COI is your center of influence. Or for Keller Williams agents, it's METs, people that you've met in person. Every single person you ever meet in real estate, you should call them every 90 days the rest of your life. You should email them something about real estate every week for the rest of your career. Every one of them. Once in a while, you should include something about how to avoid probate. Because I'm a probate expert, I'm certified in probate through Paul Horn's program. Come certified. I've learned how to avoid probate and save you tens of thousands of dollars. Or if you're in probate, I've learned how to unwind some of the problems with my special relationships in the industry. But you wanna market your probate expertise because what you don't realize is most realtors I work with have a database minimum of two or 300 people. You have probate deals right there in front of you that you don't even know about. Just by asking those questions, you'll generate a deal or two if you're diligent in calling everybody and emailing everybody. And I would include in your weekly email one every 90 days, that's one of 13, how to avoid probate, living trusts, invite them to an online living trust program, make sure you're in that circle with them on generating probates. Bill, Bill, on, on yeah. that topic, on that topic of, of, of calling your existing client, Prop 19 is fresh in, on people's mind. Yes. So for all your clients who are 55 and older, you ought to be calling them right now or send an email that says, hey, Prop 19 has passed. You can now, you bought this house for $100,000, the property old tax base. You want to move near your son, your daughter, and the house there is a million bucks, no problem. Prop 19 just passed, okay? Um, so 
So Bill, you're right. By, by contacting your existing client and adding value, like for example, getting a living trust will avoid Medicare recovery. Bill, let me show you real fast an example, Bill, of a, uh, um, real fast of this. I, I handle a probate, Bill. I was uh, in a probate for one of my clients. Bill, do you see on the, on the screen, Bill, this Medi-Cal bill? Yes. Or 249000 right here? Yes. Bill? Yes. This is real. If you don't have a trust, you go to probate, California is waiting for you to take a huge chunk of the money you spend on Medi-Cal. How much is this bill? Can you, can you see this bill? I can see the top of the letter, not the bottom, so I can't read the bottom part. Do you see that it's actually 249000 Do you see that? 249 no. grand? No, you have to scroll down. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Let's see. Let me, let me put it up again. This is an actual bill. There you go. 249 grand, you see that? There you go, yep. This is Medi-Cal. So guys, the, the new law is, remember Bill was talking about trust? The new law is this. The new law is if you use Medi-Cal, fine, no problem. If you don't want to pay back Medi-Cal, just do two things. Get a trust and then you can die. This is the new law that was passed in 2017. So you're right, reach out to your spirit of influence, let them know about all these great things. Then, oh, my son wants to buy a house. Oh, I wanna buy another house. It brings you business, right, Bill? Right, absolutely. You know, what Paul's right. talking about is I've sat in, in, in probate court and you know, in a state, you know, uh, somebody passes and they leave a $800,000 house and they only owe, let's say 200,000 on it. And so their, their legal fees and costs can be about 15,000. And they, they think they're cruising. They're, they're dividing up their $500,000 plus and how are we going to spend the money? And one day, Medi-Cal shows up and they owe $250,000 in Medi-Cal because their mom or dad had to get certain services and they didn't understand that's how it works. Medi-Cal, the term they use is claw back the cost. They, they, they don't charge you up front, but they'll charge the state and claw that back. Same with taxes. Okay, so that's the MET, COI, SOI, MET. So you want to make sure that you include a great thing on Ballotpedia has a great discussion of Proposition 13. That's a great piece. Everybody in real estate should mail that out to their clients, something every single week. And that's a perfect uh, idea. I'm going to use that, by the way, Paul. I'm mailing out to my database this week on Prop 19. I hadn't done that yet. Thank you for the idea. And then lastly, I'm going to say, because uh, we're wrapping up here shortly, networking. So once you establish, I, I got to tell you, I started a year and a half ago and I would go to real estate investment events. I told people that I was a specialist in probate. I went to court every day. In your case, if you're not going to go to court, but you're going to call petitioners every day, you can say I talk to petitioners every day. I talk to attorneys every day. Uh, that's my business. That's my niche. I'm a specialist. I went to real estate investment groups, um, and I would and, and had great success meeting investors, wholesalers, other realtors. Um, but you also can use that at general business meetings. Like BNI, they won't allow multiple realtors, but they'll allow maybe a specialist in probate. So networking is a way to leverage, again, your business uh, activities um, in probate and your specialty. Um, okay, I covered 11. Each one of these is an hour class, um, but our time's kind of running out here. So I want to answer questions. Um, I have a few here that I took notes of. If, if that's okay, Paul, unless you have some questions you want to jump in on. Yeah, go ahead. I have a question from Carmen, and I know she jumped off. 
the objection the attorney says that the, the attorney will pick the realtor. Happens a lot. You call the petitioner and the petitioner says, well, yeah, I talked to my attorney and my attorney says he has a realtor he's working with. Your job is to break that marriage up. Your job is to explain why. Let me ask you this. Would you like to have a realtor who is loyal to the attorney or a realtor whose only loyalty is to you? Because the realtors who are loyal to attorneys, in my experience, don't service the state very well. I'll give you an example. When I go to bid on properties at court, Paul goes out in the hallway and says, anybody here to bid on the property? Most attorneys are too busy to do that. Most realtors are too stupid and don't do that because they don't think they want to meet other investors, meaning they don't want their estate to get an overbidder and lose their commission. But that's your job. Your job is to go out and meet that bidder, to get them to overbid even you, to help the estate get 5% more profit on that property. That's why you, when you talk to the customer and they say that the attorney has a realtor, don't back off on that. You have an objection handler. Again, repeat, affirm, and then come back with an objection handler. And mine would be, well, let me ask you this. Do you want to work with a, a real estate agent whose first loyalty is to your attorney? Or do you want to work with a real estate agent whose only loyalty is to you? What does that mean? Well, there are examples, and you can go through and start explaining why. Um, but I would never let that accept that objection. Deepak asks, what's the best phrase the personal representatives like to listen to? You know, Deepak, I wouldn't use a script. I'd be natural. If you're coming from being a service, something as simple as, hi, Deepak, it's Bill Gross. I'm a specialist in probate. I see you filed a probate a few months ago. I just want to see how I can help you. What's been the toughest part so far? Start a conversation. The goal of a phone call is to engage in a conversation. It's not to get a listing. The goal is to get in a conversation and start a relationship. That's right. Bill, uh, before I forget, I think someone asked me about Prop 19. So Prop 19 should increase probate sales. Here, here's why. Because the prior law, the prior law prior to Prop 19 was that mom left the house and now it goes to three daughters or, you know, three children. And the property tax is not going to change, right, Bill? Under the, the old law, Prop 58. So mom bought the house for 100 grand. Now it's worth a million. It goes to probate. Now three children are getting it and they're not going to sell. They're going to rent it out, okay? Because they want to keep mom's old property tax base. Prop 19 changed all that. Mom passed away. It goes to the three kids. They're probably going to have to sell. Here's why. Because for them to take advantage of prop of, of the parent-to-child exclusion, you know what needs to happen, Bill? All three kids got to live in that house. That's a nightmare. That's a nightmare. So Prop 19 should increase your real estate transaction. In a probate, mom passed away. The children thinking, oh, prop, you know, property, I'll, I'll keep it as a rental property and pay low property tax. Ah, it only happens if all the kid moves in, right? Bill, imagine all three families move in to live in that house just to take advantage of prop of the parent to child exclusion, property tax. It's, it's not going to happen. That could happen. That's prop 19. Um, and these are things that you wouldn't have a mailer on when people ask you the question, you can send them and, and be of value to them. 
and I also had asked by Mike about some accounting questions. And what I would say, Mike, is I get asked a lot of accounting questions, but what I do is I get a, a marketing piece from my accountant and send them that marketing piece. And I tell them, you should call, you know, you should get accounting questions answered by a professional. Here's who I use. And, and here's an email that, you know, uh, describes in general about probate and, and tax issues, but has his name and phone number and email and contact him on that. Because if I feed my accountant and I feed my attorneys, I get business back. Sasha, Sasha, this, this Prop 19 takeaway step up basis, Sasha Allen, the answer is no. Property tax and step up basis are two separate concepts, Sasha, okay, are two separate concepts. So what I'm talking about, property tax, is Prop 19, okay? So the step up basis, mom bought it for a million bucks. No, no, mom bought it for 100 grand. Mom bought it for 100 grand. You're gonna sell it for a million bucks. That's a step up basis. The kid will not pay any IRS capital gain. That's a step up basis, Sasha. Prop 19 is the question that, hey, the kid don't wanna sell, the children don't wanna sell, they wanna live in the house, will the property get reassessed? The answer is Prop 19 takes effect February 16th of 2021. In order to take advantage of the property tax exclusion, all the children have to live in that house as their primary resident. That is Prop 19. Um, I got asked about a CPA referral, and um, I use, uh, I'm, I'm sure, Paul, you have somebody that you refer, but I, on these kind of matters, uh, I've had great luck with Michael Wander. He works with investors, wholesalers, you know, I would say smaller companies um, and we'll give you personal service. So hopefully that can help you as well. Um, any other questions? Yeah. Okay, we're wrapping up in time here. So um, um, Deepak, Deepak, I'd love to talk to you personally offline maybe. Um, so for all of you who want more information, if I could, if you don't mind, um, uh, Paul, I created a, a sheet with kind of some notes. I have a free weekly probate program for investors, wholesalers, and realtors and some other information. I also have the um, um, top 11 ways to get a probate. If you just text um, Paul Horn, well, text the name of your favorite attorney, the only one that works is Paul Horn, to 213-460-2577. So if you text the name of your favorite attorney, as long as his name is Paul Horn, and you text it 213-460-2577, you'll get back a list of some resources I had that will help supplement what we're doing today. Okay, um, Drew Lopez asked, do you have sample letters? So Drew Lopez, you are in luck. Take a look at this. Someone asked, do you have sample? Can you see my screen, Bill? Can you yes. see my? Yes. Yeah? yes. Drew Lopez, you asked for sample letters? Yes. You go to probatemoney.com. Yes. There is a yes. app called Marketing, okay? Um, two things, two things. You click on the educational video. That's, that's number one. Yes. There's a, you click on this view PDF. It's going to give you pages and pages of actual example of that I have accumulated throughout the years. These are just actual example. This is one way of looking to see which one sort of 
talks like you, that resonate with you, that, that's one way to do it. The other way to do it, Drew, for marketing letters, click on this marketing tab. Click on this marketing tab. We have tons of examples for you. Okay, we have tons of examples for you where you can basically use these letters. We wrote it for you. There's tons of them. Okay, you can download it and use it. Okay, so there are tons and tons of examples. So Drew Lopez, I hope this answers your question. Marketing stuff, tons of them, tons of example and actual letters where you can download and change, put your information on there and mail it out. So Drew, that is your marketing answer to do you have sample letters? Tons of them. Bill, go ahead. Um, great. So I see people already texting to uh, uh, that number, Paul Horn, 213-460-2577. You get my information. What Paul's describing is in the probate money uh, service, which is really for, for less than the price of some companies, just the leads. It's not extra. You get the marketing letters as part of the package and the videos and education is part of the package. So it's a phenomenal deal, um, really. It, it, it boils down to 20 cents per lead, 20 cents. But, but in addition to that, you're getting the marketing material, the let, and you have, yeah, I, I don't think you really sold it, right? So let me help you. Uh, you have letters that you can download and, and mail merge. You have yellow pads, meaning letters that people who are, are, want to use a, what looks like a more informal letter downloaded and samples and postcards you can download and use and mail merge right away. So really phenomenal. Uh, that's on the probate money um, uh, program. Are the people on the call here all customers or is this, do, did you talk about the- This is just general. This is general. So if someone wants to- Barry Smith. Money, they want to Barry Smith has a question about liens. Barry Smith. The probate lawyer are not gonna deal with the liens. Barry Smith. So you have to be more specific. Are those lien, BS liens? Are those lien legitimate judgment, credit card judgment that got on there? So Barry, you gonna, so Barry, that's how you can be of service. You are the realtor, you are the professional to dig into those liens, okay? Um, because if there are five liens and they are legitimate liens, Barry, the probate attorney is not gonna get involved because probate attorneys, we specialize in probate. We are not gonna say, hey, that one lien was unconstitutional. You know, that 200,000 lien from IRS is BS. No, Barry, you're gonna have to tackle those liens, Barry Smith, okay? Yeah. Sorry, Bill, what, what were you saying? No, no, but if somebody wants, wants to learn more about probate money or subscribe to probate money to get the data and or the videos and or the, the letters, they should go to probatemoney.com. Is there any special, anything else you wanna to say to them besides that? Um, okay, um, one thing that I wanna point out to you, um, CAR, the Associated Realtors, they now have a certification, guys. They have a certification class. So if you are interested in getting a certificate from CAR, can you see my screen or no? Mm -hmm. Bill, can you see my screen, Bill? Yes. Yeah, you just click on the car certification. Click on car certification. And it's a special certificate you're gonna get from car, okay? Um, it's a car website. I created the class, it's three hours long. You take an exam and car will issue you a certificate. The certificate's not from me, 
is directly from car, okay? Um, so it's pretty cool. It teaches you probate. Um, you get a certificate that's signed off by Gene, the president of CAR. It looks like that on the screen, okay? So if you want to learn more about probate, where you can be certified by CAR, when you're calling these petitioners, you can say, hey, I'm a probate specialist. I help out family who are in probate. How can I help you? So that, that's, that's one thing. Um, going back to probate money, going back to probate money, you simply go to probatemoney.com. This is the website. You, um, what I want to point out is this. There are, once you're in the website, there are hours and hours of training from me. I do the most probate in the state of California, period. I've seen it all. Anyway, besides the lead, you have hours and hours of probate training, okay? Today, we didn't get too much into the technicality of probate. Today was more of the marketing aspect of it, okay? But if you wanted more probate training, you have tons and tons of hours of videos and probate money. Yes, Bill? Well, I would say I've taken, you, you just rolled out the CR training in the last 90 days or so, I think. I had taken already yeah. three other certifications. I took yours. It was phenomenal. I tell people it's the best training on the process of probate available in California, period. And I, I paid for it. You didn't give it to me. I didn't get anything for this call today, just so, so you guys know. I pay for the certification. I pay for probate money every month, and it's well worth the expense. Yeah. Hey, guys, it's 12 o'clock. Yeah. I want to thank Bill for being here with us. I want to thank, thank all of you for being here with us. Um, you know, I hope we brought some value to you. And um, everybody out there, keep safe. Uh, Bill, thank you so much for spending your time with us. Thank you. And all of you on screen as well. Thank you, guys.